you know, I had been there for nine and a half years and feel extraordinarily proud of what I did. Welcome back to the Career Therapy Podcast. My name is Martin McGovern, and today we have another special guest for the Life After Layoff series. Shauna is joining us. Uh, Shauna Sikorsky Griffiths. I hope I'm saying all those right. Um, and she's <laughs> joining us. Uh, she is a marketing solutions brand partnerships executive coach with a focus on remote leadership. Uh, so Shauna, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to get into your story and we like to kick these off by asking the tried and true interview question. Tell us about yourself. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I, uh, first, uh, first of all, I thank you for the opportunity. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. I've been watching you and just really am a fan of what you're doing. Um, helping people to, you know, share their voices and their experiences, I think is so important, uh, especially all we're facing right now. Um, so I am in an interesting phase of my career after spending over 20 years um, working. I worked in with brands, professional sports, entertainment, spent time on the agency side, um, working across verticals with from brands, from startups to iconic brands. Um, and I was laid off in the face of COVID in the beginning of April. So um, I am now a founder of a company called SLG Impact. Um, and it's really about focusing on making positive impact on brands and people in their journey because the two really are connected. And I think a lot of times the disconnect between brands, um, how they operate the work and the people ends up with a lot of pain points for people. So um, I'm doing my best to make the most of this opportunity. I love it. And I'm, I really appreciate you coming in and chatting with us today and opening up about your experience because I do think that it's something that, you know, people go through pretty alone. They, there's not really yeah. a whole lot of places to to feel connected and feel like, you know, you're not the only one going through it. Even if there's like a mass layoff, everyone's like in their own little pocket, you know? Um, and so tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get into the brand marketing and, and advertising spaces? Yeah, it was funny. I was, I played basketball at the University of Michigan in undergrad, and then I used my fifth year of eligibility to go to grad school, get my MBA and run cross country. And the reason I tell that story is I was one of those people who needed a bit more time in life. Um, I got through my undergrad and had a degree and had done well in school and had absolutely no idea what I was going to do with myself. Um, and so it was really by following passion points um, that I found my way. Um, I was always a basketball head, always a Nike junkie, um, and was able to literally bang on doors until someone could, um, you know, and work relationships until someone gave me a shot. Uh, so I spent time um, in the beginning with Nike, um, placed with two different WNBA teams, fell absolutely in love with the NBA, WNBA family, and then that became my new focus, my new North Star. I was obsessed, wanted, had to get my way to the NBA world. Um, and so I, I literally, I would take I would take trips to New York City and go bang on doors at the NBA, trying to get one person to introduce me to the next person and spent uh, quite some time doing that. And um, 
was given an opportunity when the NBA started the MBDL, which is now the G League, which sometimes that makes me feel like a dinosaur. It doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> um, but so, so then, so, so basically I spent 13 years um, in the NBA family. So from there, I again, did the same kind of thing. I got obsessed. I had been in the minor league system for the NBA and I was like, I am obsessed with wanting to work at the NBA level, at the, at the, you know, the highest level. So I literally sat there calling um, heads of marketing and an awesome fellow U of M grad, Sid Levy, gave me a shot at the Nets. Um, and then I've had amazing people share little nuggets along the way that they didn't really realize were going to be that impactful. Um, and so I remember my boss, Matt Pizaris, when I was at the Nets, who's still an amazing friend of mine. Um, shared a couple of things to me. One, he said to me, you know, once you get out of the eye of the actual team, you realize that there's so much out there in the world. And that stuck with me. And the other thing that stuck with me was I was sitting in the marketing seat and he explained to me the importance of having more tools in my toolbox, not just being the marketer who spends money, but the marketer who can actually drive revenue, who can create partnerships, um, you know, through and create revenue through that. Um, and so I really listened to those things. And then, so, so I tell that part because that was my pathway to wanting to get to the agency side where I wanted to become the most valuable resource I could. And so to me, that meant evolving from just marketing to marketing and brand partnerships. That meant me getting outside of the eye of the needle of professional sports entertainment to touching brands. I've worked with brands from nonprofits to, you know, to sports teams, to big regular, like, you know, B to C brands. So that was really my why of why I went to the agency side. I figured it was the fastest way for me to get the the most well-rounded experience possible. I love that. And you really hit on a number of things that I'd love to go deeper into. One is yeah, this banging on doors piece. I think a lot of people <laughs> will say like, you know, you got to go and bang on doors and they mean it figuratively, but it sounds like you were pretty literal with it. Like, what do you, what do you actually mean by that? Like you were getting people's phone numbers. How did you get them? Yeah. You know, yeah. what, what was that process like? Cause I feel like some people are really scared to even send an email to someone and you took it to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. I, again, I think it was that um, almost like unbridled passion that I had and wanting to be somewhere. And it kind of made me look past those fears of, am I going to be rejected? Is this too forward? And so, and again, one of my mentors along the way, um, Felicia Hall Allen, um, shared with me at the very, very beginning of my career about Anytime you go to someone and you're trying to network, say you start with 10 people, if you're asking each one of them to open the door to at least one of their networks, it just starts to multiply. So I took that philosophy. And when I say bang on doors, again, you're right. It was, it was a little bit um, just like in theory, right? Or, or just a phrase, but in, to some degree I was doing that. And sometimes that was, you know, literally going to New York, going into the office meeting with one person and then physically asking them like, you know, looking around in the halls or being proactive while I was there meeting to stop and introduce myself to someone else who was in the hall. Um, but again, when someone, when you network with that one person is to humbly yet boldly ask them to 
introduce you to that one next person. Again, that thing that she said to me is it becomes this like spider web that can become exponential, but you have to be in the position of asking for it and then following through with it, going to that next person. And so that was my version of the literal and figurative um, banging on doors. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and it always has been. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and what you're hitting on is this idea of it's, it's all upside. We had a conversation yesterday with someone who's in sales and they were talking about how, you know, they'll go on an interview and partway through the interview, they might realize like, oh, I'm actually not going to get this job. Um, But then they just switch over to, but I'm going to get this connection. And they like, because they're like, I'm in the sales world. This person's in the sales world. I'm staying connected to this person I'm chatting with, regardless of what happens to the job. And to your point, it's like, this person might not be able to hire you. This person might not be able to help you, but you want to connect with everyone in the sports world. And that that's a massive driver. I love it. Um, And then you also switched your focus there from someone, a marketer who spends money, which we, we've all met those marketers. uh, If you've been (laughs) in the marketing scene at all and to the marketer who uh, generates um, money, who drives revenue. And I, that shift is something that, I think is really great in the marketing world, but also just good for any job seeker to think about, which is how, what is the ROI of your role? So how, how was that shift for you? And, and what sort of is the way that you perceive the ROI of what you do these days? Yeah, I think that's a good, um, I a segue. I think that when you are a marketer, a lot of times you're in the sale, the seat actually of facilitating being the sale of something. So in when I was sitting in the seat at you know in an MBA team, I was really marketing the sale of a ticket. And most people didn't understand that, right? They thought, oh, it's so sexy and all this. And I'm like, okay, at, but but what I do every single day is literally talk about like tickets that we need to sell. So I think that it is inherent in a role of a marketer to drive revenue by moving the whatever the product is the service that you're trying to sell that from a transactional standpoint but that shift in the mindset came also to how am i thinking in a creative way to create like if it's a plat for the marketing platform how can it truly be monetized it can be monetized by selling the product or service, it can be monetized by it being creative platform that another brand can get involved in and that brand's going to spend dollars. So when I say, again, it is inherent in the role of a marketer to drive sales, but, but my shift was thinking, yeah, and I'm going to monetize it through the lens of a brand partner. Um, and so that brand partner can either bring money to the table to you know, again, it's kind of like a sponsorship or that, and, or that brand partner can bring amplification to further drive sales. But that's something I think is um, going to be needed more and more. And that was a big shift for me, um, which was partly when the economy crashed was around the time that he gave me that key nugget. Um, And here we are again, um, you know, in this world facing and, basically economic explosion. And so, you know, I think it's truly important to be providing value as you come forward and thinking about similarly, how am I bringing an idea forward, solution forward um, that a brand can monetize? I love that. Yeah. Cause I talk with a lot of designers and UX designers and they're like, I just want to make their website more beautiful. And I'm like, 
Right. Does that beautiful website convert? <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. We, we always have to come back to the conversion there. Um, it's so true. And, you know, I, I feel like it's, it's very interesting. I haven't really talked to too many folks with your sort of sports background. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that athlete's mindset really plays yeah. into um, having a healthy outlook on a career. I'm kind of curious, what, <laughs> what parts of being an athlete do you think helped yeah. you the most? in your career up to this point? It's a great question. And um, I truly love that, that, that athlete mindset. And it doesn't always have to come in an athlete. I think there's different markers that you can look for in someone. I remember relatively, well, not recently now, but maybe a year ago, I was um, interviewing people for a position. And this one guy, Micah, he was great. I looked at his resume and it said he was an Eagle Scout. And I was like, that has the mindset. And so, um, you know, I think it's this work ethic. Um, it is a, that gritty, and I think it is this always seeking to improve. Um, and that, that's what I experienced. You know, I always wanted to get myself to the next level when I was a kid playing AAU playing, you know, getting to college, like I, I, it just, and then it kind of that same mindset carried through in my career. When I was referencing earlier, I got really obsessive about these passion points of mine and wanting as well as that constant drive to succeed and, and to constantly be challenging yourself. Um, and some of that goes with, you have an understanding that you need to consistently practice and that, it's you don't get satisfied, right? I remember when I when I was young and I used to sit stand there and like shoot free throws forever in my driveway, and it was because it didn't matter how many I made. It was like you always want to be practicing, you always want you know, so you always want to be game ready. Um, and so, actually, in my language to this day, I still use a lot of these type of length, this type of language, um, these type of words, which can kind of be funny sometimes. Sometimes people think I'm being like, you know, canned or cheesy. I'm like, no, this is actually how I talk. Um, so, and I think there's also something to a sense of team and a sense that there's something bigger than just yourself. And so if I want to succeed at a job, it's not, or, you know, a project or, you know, anything I'm doing, it's not all about myself. It's about like, I want to do better, but I want to help my teammates. I don't, I don't want to be this lone shark. Um, so, and then I think there's also something inherent in respecting someone who's in a leadership or coaching role ahead of you. Um, and so, you know, I'm always looking for who that person can be for me. And so I think, again, then you, you want to please that person, you want to perform. And so I think those are all kind of characteristics that you can mash up. And that is like the heart of a, an athlete, a warrior, a champion that I hold close to myself. And that's what I look for in other people. <laughs> I love that. I love, there's so many pieces in there that, that daily practice, that's something we preach here yeah. a ton. It's not, it's not about getting one application in. It's about applying every day. It's not about networking with that one right person. It's about networking every day. It's not, yeah, and, and so on and so forth. And like, you're always trying to be game ready. That's super cool. And yeah. that idea of team and also that idea of like mentorship, like look, you, you know how to be coached. Like that's such a great mm. mindset to have. Um, and an interesting thing about sports is like, you know, teams gain players and lose players and people get cut and all those things happen. Yeah. And it's not always personal. It's like just kind of how things 
go and and performance is tied to it but sometimes it's not and and it's so interesting to see, to see how that all plays together so as we move forward in your story and we get closer mm-hmm. to uh you know that infamous day of the layoff right um <laughs> what were you working on heading leading up to the time um of that critical point in the story yeah well I had, in my time at the agency, I built the departments um, that were under me. And at the time that those were integrated marketing and brand partnerships. So I was leading that um, and had about 30-ish people in various locations in the U.S. that I was leading remotely. Um, And so we had various clients that fell under those two umbrellas. And then I had also spent a year as a managing director of the office that was in Indiana um, that had about 20, 25 people. And that role was really focusing on integration. So the company had been through an acquisition and needed some help with integration, um, having different offices across the country with a, um, parent company in the headquartered in the UK. So um, there was a lot of things that I was I was doing and focusing on. Um, and it was interesting, like I had quite a long title to kind of capture all those things, which is, you know, kind of came the butt of jokes at times. But um, so, so I had a lot of things um, that I was working on and really loved the connection with the, my staff. Um, so that's what I was doing before that's awesome. the infamous day. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's where we are. So we're, we're yeah. coming up on the infamous day. So yeah. uh, what was, did you have like any ideas that this was coming? Was it all COVID yeah. related? What, what was the situation and, and, you know, was it a surprise or did it kind of. Uh, not a build? surprise, not a, <laughs> not a surprise. And I think it's, you know, we all have those uh, senses, those instincts, and you're like, hmm, something's going on here. And I think I could see what was happening with the company in general. They had been a new president hired, and anytime a new president comes in, I think it's their job, you know, to really look at making some changes. But then when you meet that with the huge wave of COVID um, and the fact that the company is an experiential agency and so when um and and very sport focused so you know everybody in the world sees that covid really hit you know really impacted that that sector um and so the company had to make some really big wide sweeping changes and um i was a part of that so um you know and again i think you can kind of see things and there was um you know, things that I noticed. And so when I got the call, I wasn't surprised. The company had also shared some, you know, that they were going to be making changes. There was some transparency there, um, you know, as a blanket statement. And, and I'm never someone to think in my career, like, oh, I'm safe. So I was always thinking. And, you know, I think anybody that time changed like that, if you're a senior person, you ha- there's some risk there. Um, and I was the only senior person who worked remotely. Um, as I said, I had worked remotely for four and a half years. So, um, you know, you just start to kind of look at some of the different risk factors. So I wasn't surprised per se. Absolutely. And I think that's such an interesting thing to keep in mind. I think, you know, when folks are working at companies, they sometimes think, oh, well, you're senior, so you must be safe. But, you know, you're kind of pointing (laughs) out, no, actually senior leadership can be you know, one of the quickest things to, to shift and, and to move. And, yeah. and I like that you've had that sort of mindset of, you know, I never think I'm safe. Yeah. Um, and I think it's an important mindset to cultivate in a career. I think this old 
this old guard of like, you know, stay at a company 50 years, get the watch kind of thing. That's even that phrase, which I heard 10 years ago was already <laughs> starting to feel pretty dated at the time. I don't, I don't even know anyone yeah. that has something like that these days. And so I'm kind of curious, like, how did you, how did you sort of fortify your life outside of work? Um, to prepare yourself for that lack of safety. I made a massive change in my life. Um, I was actually just talking about this earlier today um, related to my priorities. And there's a couple of people who have said to me since I was laid off about like, well, I'm sure that your identity has been shaken. And I'm grateful that I went through a time earlier in my career journey where I had my own wake up call about my priorities being out of line and that I identified so much. It was like, I didn't have a personal identity. I would introduce myself as I'm Shauna and I work for the Nets. And it was like, whoa, you know, and I think I saw the impact of that in how I functioned. I worked all the time, (laughs) almost 24 seven. I didn't have, um, wasn't dating much at all, wasn't making room for those type of things. Um, And so I made just it was a very conscious decision. And, you know, my, my husband is a wonderful example of balance that I was able to extract some of that from. And when we made the move from New York city to Colorado about four and a half years ago, um, almost five years ago by now, I, it was again, how am I creating those boundary protection, those boundaries to be able to understand like where my identity lies and where the work lies. Um, and so having to have little things in my, in like shutting my computer at night and doing other things. And when you also live in an area like Colorado, where I live, um, when you meet people, they, I'm Shauna and I ride bikes. I'm a mountain biker. It's not, you know, and it, this is a funny thing that made me really realize that we went on a mountain biking camping trip with six guys and my husband and I, three days, like eating, sleeping, riding together, all of this. I walked out of that three days and I had no idea what anybody did for work. And I thought it was the most amazing thing. So I, again, I had already gone through a lot of that in my journey. So when this happened, it was less about shaking my identity and more about like understanding that this compartment of my life was shifting. Does that make sense? That makes perfect. I love that you shared that story of Colorado. (laughs) Um, Years ago, I did a road trip around the country with my podcast, uh, old podcast that I'm not part of anymore. We noticed in each city, there was a different sort of like entrepreneurial spirit or work spirit. Um, Mm -hmm. Like Chicago is all about like, work your ass off. Like we're hardworking. (laughs) Like it's snowing outside. There's a wind chill that's going to take your feet off. And like, but we're working. And then like in California, in yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then in California, it's all about like fame and like, uh, how do you get yeah, yeah. influence and like notice and like the perception. And then we stopped in Colorado and it was like, no one talked about their job. <laughs> like oh no one, everyone's like, oh yeah, no, I love pot or I love hiking or I love like, it's so like, I was like, wait, what do you do for a living? And they're like, oh, <laughs> just like, and people actually don't want to talk about it. They're just yeah. like, oh, if I have to, which actually can make it an interesting experience trying to network with people. Cause you're yeah. like, how do I get to a conversation about work and get this person to want to have a conversation about oh, it? So, so interesting. So, 
Yeah. So it's, it's, and, and it's interesting you say that because my, I kind of call it a tour of duty. My career had me in Detroit, Seattle, North Carolina, New Jersey, New York here. So you're so right in different parts of the country. It's a completely different mindset, work style, um, even like how fast people talk. I went down to North Carolina in the beginning after having been geared up because I thought I was going to go, you know, storm the doors and work at the NBA office. Right. And I got down in New York and they were like, whoa, <laughs> you ain't from around here, are you? And I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, uh, that's, yeah. That's, that's how important. I felt in New York. I was like, everyone speaks a lot quicker here, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. To get somewhere. Like, um, that's so cool. And, and now, like that's that I think is such an important point that you're making of like separating your identity from the job. And, you know, that's yeah. a very European thing too. I, I find mm. that people get insulted in other countries if you ask them what they do before you ask them about who they are. Um, yeah. So it's very cool. And, and that is one of the toughest things about going through a layoff is a job mm-hmm. gives you a reputation, which is the company's reputation an identity, which is your job title and security, which is your salary. And so, but a lot of people think, oh, I'm just losing my security. No, you're losing a lot of stuff if you've totally tied yourself in. So I love that you, you know, have, how how long ago was it that you started making that separation? It's fine that you said European. My husband is British. And so um, when I said about his influence on me, so I would say that it was probably before, right before I met him, again, it was this very conscious shift that I needed to shift my life to make room for a relationship that I wanted so deeply deeply. Um, so I would say it was probably about seven and a half years ago where it was that conscious shift. But then I think again, like we just celebrated our uh, fifth wedding anniversary actually. So I think, (laughs) thank you. I think probably six and a half years ago, um, when we were first together was really where it was like, when you can see someone else doing it, it almost like puts a mirror up for you. So you can see your like, Whoa, the contrast of yourself. Um, I was, <laughs> this is actually kind of a funny story. When we were first together, I was, it was like four o'clock in the morning. As literally, I would get up and work at four o'clock in the morning and he was still sleeping. And I went and I lived in a studio apartment. So I went into the bathroom and shut the door and was sitting on the edge of the tub working on the computer. And like 4.30 or five, he comes in to use the bathroom and he looked at me and his eyes got so big. And I was like, if I, that was my like smack me in the face, like, whoa, okay. I saw how out of whack my priorities were mm-hmm. and how I was operating. And I was like, eek, close the computer, go back to that. So, you know, sometimes you just need these things to kind of, again, like show you, uh, cause you're so close to it. You're living in it's the way you've functioned for whatever reasons. Um, so yeah. So that, that's how that. long ago. It's such an important thing for folks to think about. And I like that, you know, you talked about the the timeline too, because it's not an overnight thing. It's not easy no. to separate. And it can Mm-mm. kind of go back and forth, right? There might be times you're way more dedicated to work and times where you're not. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's really good to, you know, whatever your identity, you want it to be outside of work, to to figure it out, to play around with it and and, and explore. Um, Yeah. And I think, let me say one thing on that. I think it's so important what you said about the ebb and flow of it, because there's been times during it where I'll catch myself starting to revert to old behaviors or thought patterns. And that's where, again, it's like whatever that mirror is or that thing to help keep your awareness heightened and basically keep yourself in check, you know? So um, I, I just, I couldn't agree with you more about the, that, 
you know, nature of it being this ebb and flow that you got to keep in check yourself or you'll be off the, you know, off the tracks. Yeah. So. It's, it's like knowing the bumpers on the, on the yeah. uh, bowling alley. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> got to get that strike. Um, exactly. So, so I'd love to take a step back and, and dive into the day of the layoff. Um, I think the emotions of the day, either like relief that some people feel or anxiety that others feel, what was that moment like? You said that they called you on the phone. How did the process look? Yes, I received a text message um, on a Sunday evening and um, the president or the CEO uh, texted me and said that he wanted to talk to me before the week. And I said, I turned to my husband and I said, well, here's the end. <laughs> and so on a he, Sunday. Interesting. Yeah. So then he called me and, um, immediately following the text, I, you know, I said, yes, you can call me. And mm -hmm. again, I, my gut was like, I knew what he was going to say. And he, the, he opened it up saying that they had to make drastic changes to the business, um, because of COVID and the impact that it was having on the business. Um, and that I was one of the permanent layoffs and that was it. And so I said, okay. And, you know, I had been there for nine and a half years and feel extraordinarily proud of what I did, um, what I was able to accomplish there, some of the biggest accomplishments in the history of the, age, of the you know, agency on the U.S. side. Um, and I can hold, I can hold my head up high with those things. And, you know, it's, it's COVID, I mean, you know, there's no need for me to get, you know, to look at it personally and, you know, the, the relationship I built with, built with my staff over the years, I, um, you know, when he said it, I was just like, okay, I, 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 when I got off the phone, I, I did ask, you know, I, I'm a person that, that wants to learn from experiences. And, and so I did ask on the phone, was there any lesson in there for me? And, and he said, no, he said, this is, you know, again, reiterated that it's the, it was COVID and this is what happened, um, needed to happen to keep the business um, going. And, you know, that was it really. I, I got off the phone and um, I think I, I, I was a little numb at first because, you know, you think it's coming and then it happens and then it sort of starts to settle in. And I was like, wow, okay. And it was more of thinking about, okay, well, I literally said, do I show up for work tomorrow? Like, what do I do? You know? So then the next day I was to speak with the president in the morning. Um, and then there's so much that I've, I've never been laid off before, thankfully. And so there's so much unknown there that I needed to figure out like insurance and what do I do and how do I end things on a good note? And so that's really where my mind went immediately, um, which I think protected me from feeling really. Um, I think I did break down a little later that evening. I videoed my sister and my, one of my nieces who I'm very close with. Um, and I, said it out loud and we were videoing and I, I shed a tear. Um, and I think it's just like the, again, like that emotion of it, you know, it's like, whoa, what just happened to me? Um, and then frankly, the next two days I had a couple of crying moments. And then there was this thing where I was like, no more. Like it doesn't get any more tears from me. It doesn't get that because I have, that's where that like athlete fighter resiliency I tapped into. And I was like, I, I got to blaze my path. It is, it is like my responsibility to map myself forward and, and to figure it out and to look at it as almost opportunity and journey. And 
reimagine my path and that time I spend bringing them and the past along with me, it actually only works against me. And I have a coach that I've worked with, Leslie Harris, who's tremendous and is a part of my um, impact coalition of executive coaches, actually. Um, and he has always encouraged me about thinking of it as a rear view mirror and like putting it in my rear view mirror. And then this additional thing of the past is only part of your reality if you bring it along with you. So I keep those things to help keep me in check. Um, and so it's been four months and I probably had a couple of other days where I like, you know, had some crying cause it's so fricking hard to be honest with you. Um, it's not easy, you know, to, to just like fight every day and, and, and pivot and keep yourself motivated. But that's what I, I literally, that is my choice. That is the choice that I, that I, um, the way that I want to present myself in the world and the way that I want to move forward. I love it. Embracing the struggle. That's, that's definitely yeah. the way to go. <laughs> and so now that walk us through, you know, your, your sort of, I, I was calling it like bounce back, but then I got corrected yeah. the other day. It's like, that's not really the way to think about it. And I was like, Oh, whatever. But like, you know, whatever, <laughs> however you want to frame the, the, the moving past it, the moving on from yeah. it. Um, what have the last four months been like? How have you been systematically taking back control and feeling yeah, productive and keeping yourself motivated. That's a good way to, uh, to think about it is that like, and stand in your strength. This is another thing that I pull from that, that saying. Um, and that's like my focus every day is really standing in my strength. And if I, I want, that's the way I want to, again, like approach the world, put myself forward in the world. Um, so, you know, I think it, it really came from one of the things that I absolutely had to do in the very beginning to get myself like just functional. Where was I going to get insurance from those type of things? Um, and then it is just like talking to people nonstop. Um, you know, again, it's that, it's that networking, but when I think of it, I think of it as I'm just having a conversation and I bring value to every conversation. So that has me in a, a learning mode. So every call I have, everything I'm reading, I'm looking for the thing that I can extract, learn, share. If I meet someone, I'm thinking, oh, how can I be in a conversation and utilize this to provide value to that person? Because a lot of times people think, oh, networking, you talk to that person once and then you move on. Well, the reality is, I've met so many people, expanded my network and learned so much during these four months that I'm sense of gratitude for it. But along the way, it's not just a one touch point. It's like, how do you have that touch point and start to cultivate a relationship with that person? And then, you know, there's been many people that I have a conversation with, and then I think about it more. And then I follow up with them the next day or a week later. I'm like, gosh, I was thinking about this. And if it comes, if it comes from an authentic, genuine place, it's just like, Hey, I was thinking I could introduce you to this person, or I had an idea for you based on what you said, because you it's, you know, I think that's why people get annoyed, like on LinkedIn and things like that, when they say like, you can't just meet me and then, you know, try to sell something to me. It's because I think if we think of it as you still have to put in the effort to build a relationship with that person. So I think that's the thing that kind of like, that takes actions every day to do over time. And so to your, your question about what are my things that I'm doing every day and keeping me, you know, moving forward, it's those things kind of just naturally provide conversation, follow-up, conversation, thought, follow-up, connection. Um, and so that's the way I approach, um, you know, my, my everyday. 
That's amazing. Yeah. And it really is that sort of, you know, listening for ways to help. And I think a networking conversation, it's, it's an opener. It's not the closer. Right. And that's, that's a big thing in the sales world, right? They're like, don't try and sell me on the first pitch. Um, and so you're, I think the way you're doing it is, is really great. And you mentioned a couple examples, like maybe introduce them to someone in your network, maybe, right. you know, give them a, a thought on an idea that came up. Do you have any specific examples, something, cause I think people hear that like, oh, bring value to the networking conversation. They're, you know, they're like, right. well, I'm unemployed. What value could I bring? I'm just a burden on people. What, um, what is maybe a specific example of like value you've brought to someone in your network over? I mean, right now is a perfect example, but uh, yes. <laughs> outside of this conversation, um, <laughs> what are, what's, what's an example of how you've done that? Yeah. Good example. So um, I'm sure you know of blue wire podcast. Um, a, I met a woman through her fiance um, who works there and she's in business development. And I just, I, I'm a little bit of a uh, self-proclaimed nerd. I just like to learn about things and meet people. So I met her aunt Maggie and I was just truly interested in what she was doing and asking her a bunch of questions. And I was listening to her and listening to like, just, she was sharing with me like a need she had, but I don't exactly know if she was thinking about it that that mm-hmm. way she was just sharing with me the challenges that she'll face at times. And so, you know, I had a really wonderful call with her and, you know, a plan to stay connected. And then I was, well, this happens to me a lot of times I'll be like out riding my bike and I have these idea storms, I call them. And I got this idea that is bringing blue wire together with open sponsorship, which is an incredible um, platform of um, influencers that helps brands and athletes connect. And the founder Ishbeen is so fantastic. Um, and so I got this idea for how to bring the two together to add value to both sides. So I called Ishveen and I said, well, I wrote her and I said like, here's this idea. Are you open to it? And she was like, oh yeah, I think that's fantastic. So I rolled the two of them. I said, Hey, this is just my idea for, you know, you guys. And they both loved it. And we got on a phone call and then we're, you know, there, there's something in the mix now. So neither, I'm not working for either one of them. Neither one of them are a client yet. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it, I do have a relationship with, um, open sponsorship to help them in, you know, with certain things like that. Um, and to be able to find opportunities, um, but that is an example of neither one of them expected it, but it was extracted from conversation and knowing both parties and being able to bring something forward to them that they both felt was valuable. And there's a degree, I was thinking about it afterwards, there's a degree of it. I met each of them during this time. They got to know me, they like me, and they've heard about the way that I work, but doing what I did actually then showed them in a different way. It allowed them to touch and feel almost and like see the way I operate, see the way my mind works. And I think that that can help so that, you know, they're not just going on like hearsay or, you know, positive hearsay, hopefully, Um, you know, and so I think that that is an example of the way that I look to provide value um, in conversations. And I think there's something interesting about it. I think that sometimes people get surprised by it they don't expect that. Like I'm coming to them as a new person asking transparently to network. And I think a lot of people think that that just is going to be mean. I'm going to ask them for stuff all the time. You know, I want you to immediately deliver something for me. So I think it's an interesting thing. I'll catch people sometimes almost like being caught off guard, um, which 
I don't know, can kind of be a, a fun thing. <laughs> I love it. And I also love how you phrased it. You're like, I don't work with them yet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? It's a, Officially. It's, it's a dot, dot, dot. And I think that that dot, dot, <laughs> dot is a necessary thing to keep in mind when networking because most people can't help us in the moment. Um, right. And, and, and being able to think maybe I can help them first. And I like how you said mm-hmm. show, don't tell, you know, all, all mm. sorts of people say in their, you know, resume bio or in their skills section, great communicator, connector, uh, empathetic listener. They say all <laughs> these things. And I sit there and I go, are you really like, yeah. really? <laughs> exactly. it's like, it's like when you meet someone, they're like, I'm just the nicest, you know, it's like, eh, maybe not. <laughs> and I just love that. Um, you know, you don't have to say to them, you know, oh, I'm someone who really brings value. I'm someone who connects people. I'm someone that helps businesses connect and expand because I'm just do it. You just connected them. And now they're like, holy cow, this person. And then they fill it with their words. And I think that that's yeah. like the best way to do it. Um, so bravo to you. And oh, as, we, <laughs> as we get towards, you know, the close of the conversation here, mm-hmm. I'd love to hear, you know, what are you, you seem to be filling your time very well, you know, with productive things. Um, yes. So what are you working on now and what are you looking for in, in the moment mm-hmm. right now today? Yep. Well, the last several days have been filled with, I designed my website over the weekend, which is an interesting thing because during this time, it's all about actually gaining skill sets and, and um, you know, continuing to learn and grow. So um, really it was like this more of a public launch of SLG impact. And I, I'm the person who tries to not to your, with the conversation we were just having, not like, you know, shout about myself, but more like take the action and do. So a lot of these last months have been creating their relationships, getting momentum, um, working with different people, different entities, which are, you know, listed on the projects, um, page on the website. Um, but you know, I think, what I'm doing on a daily basis is, you know, just put, taking all of those steps, you know, so to, to launch. So the website, the LinkedIn announcement, those kind of things, that's very much filled the last um, several days. But a lot of it is um, working with my, uh, the woman, Elisa Padilla, who is an amazing marketer, um, who is serving in a consultant role right now while she's in a transition period. Um, so a lot of it is just very proactively coming up with um, value propositions, whether it's a creative concept or we came up with the idea of workshops that we could pitch to people. Um, and it was, I was thinking about, you know, brands, companies having a hard time right now making long-term commitments. And if you're a consultancy or anybody in an agency type sector, you're, you're ideally, and I know we said scrap that word ideal, but you're would prefer to have longer engagements. But what we're facing right now is, the need to create um, door openers, the need to create like kind of a opportunity for people to walk in, you know, before we're just running together. So we came up with this uh, idea of a workshop. And so we've been pitching that to people so that it's a short term, highly actionable, very customized engagement. It can be two days um, and someone walks away with solutions because I think that what brands need right now are applicable quick turn solutions um, that they can actualize. So we've been pitching that to a lot of people. Um, we also have short term, short and long-term um, engagements, but um, a lot of it is that outreach and, and, and 
to not doing outreach in a salesy way, but it really comes from a position of wanting to work, not wanting to be on the sidelines. You know, I talked about being game ready every day, but, but I want to be in the game, you know? So it's like, again, having those conversations, listening, talking with Elisa or, you know, other people and, and coming up with solutions and not being afraid to go to someone. A lot of what I do is like, I gave that example of the blue wire and open sponsorship idea. Like I kind of had to put my ego to the side. I, I try to not bring ego to the, to the play actually, but it's just to be like, here's my idea. You might think it stinks, but it might spark a better idea. And so that's really how I'm filling my days, um, which is uh, my days are very full <laughs> with these things. Um, and then also, as I mentioned, um, I'm looking to add a couple of um, round out basically the, the, the consultant and coaching and, and things like that. So um, to truly be, um, you know, the best we can be for people. I love it. Oh, there's so much in there. Um, and as we wrap up here, uh, who, yeah. who are you looking to connect with and how can they get in touch with you? I am looking to connect with, um, you know, because SLG Impact is focused on maximizing positive impact for brands and people. Um, so either people and brands who are looking to um, evolve themselves. Um, and so, you know, again, it's like whether you're looking for that touch point as a person and you need some coaching during this time, it's a resource available to you. Um, and then, uh, you know, as far as like brands, um, brands that are looking for solutions and because, you know, that don't want to be stuck in the mud or just focusing on, when I say mud, I mean like, you know, the effect of, of, of COVID. And, um, you know, that they're not just going to look at, I'm only, I'm either going to shut down or freeze or just let people go. It's the people who are looking for, how do I move myself forward? Where's the pivot? Where's the solution? Um, so that's what I am. I'm looking to have conversation with those people. And, you know, again, it's not thinking that every call is going to turn into business. It's let's start a conversation and then figure out how we could curate, you know, something that could, that could be impactful. I love it. And should they reach out to you on LinkedIn or should they hit you up? Can hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, and I also, as I said, I just launched the um, slgimpact.com. Um, also have a, um, on Instagram, it is at slgimpact. Um, so any way you want to get at me, you can. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Shauna. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for stopping by this episode of the Career Therapy Podcast. It's been a pleasure having you. And if you're curious about what we do here at Career Therapy, head on over to www.careertherapy.com to see all of our coaching options, resources, and links to other things we got going on. If you would like to share your story on this podcast, something that you've gone through, a transition you've experienced in your career, whether it's getting a job after college or going through a layoff or getting back into the workforce after raising your family, we would love to hear from you. Head over to linkedin.com slash in slash Martin McGovern and shoot me a DM. Let me know what's going on and I really like to share your story with the world. What we're trying to do here is really normalize the emotional side of the job search because we all go through it. We all have tough times in our careers and sharing these stories really helps people feel less alone and feel more empowered to take their career back into their own hands and make something of it. So thank you again for stopping by. 
If you'd like to leave a like or a comment, subscribe or share, or leave us a review on iTunes, and I think maybe even Spotify, we'd really appreciate it. Best of luck to you in all of your career endeavors, and I'll see you on the next episode. Cheers.